Hello, Raptors fans. Welcome back to another off-season edition of Raptors Review. Ben, you look mightily tanned. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I just got back from a cottage weekend, took a nice long weekend out in the sun, beautiful weather, totally disconnected, had my phone off. So I missed all of the Kyrie drama that happened over the weekend. Bliss free or blissful, (laughs) not bliss free, (laughs) blissfully ignorant of the stupid drama that is surrounding the Nets. (laughs) Yes, yes. I wish I could say the same. But uh, let's recap the finals, because I think our last episode we did was right before, was right after the conference finals. So the Warriors won the finals 4-2 pretty convincingly. Steph had his best finals uh, of his career. Uh, I think unanimously won finals MVP. And they, they really just ended up dominating Boston. And I think I was a bit surprised by how they they dominated Boston. Were you? No. I mean, I, I was taking the Warriors the whole way. I guess it was somewhat surprising that they really changed their offense to be more Curry on the ball. And they pretty much gave up running him around screens a lot in their offense. But like everyone on the team stepped up, well, except for Clay Thompson. Clay was terrible, but uh, like Andrew Wiggins, really? was he he played good defense. I thought he like he was okay on defense. I didn't think uh, he got better as the series progressed. Yes, on defense. Yes. In the end, but, he was locking down Jalen Jalen Brown. It was pretty, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, but, I thought, but I don't know. Jalen Brown to me is a guy that is very lockable down. Like he's not. He doesn't have a huge bag of tricks. He he's good, but he's not a great offensive player. And so, if Jalen Brown is killing you, like that's just a problem <laughs> in my mind. And offensively, Clay's shot selection was insane. He, oh yeah, it was, he had a green light, and there were a <laughs> lot of bricks. He wanted Game Six Clay to happen in every single game, and was yeah. just so trigger happy. Jordan Poole had a little bit of the same, but like overall. With like Draymond bounced back after getting benched for a few minutes down the stretch of one game, and I thought he had like tremendous three, impact. Yeah. yeah, and Wiggins was a beast. Like maybe the second best player on the team. I still think Draymond slightly yeah, I, better I'd than him, but Wiggins was super impressive. Uh, this was a coming out party for Wiggins, I think, in the playoffs here. Yeah, he was uh, he was so much better this playoff run than I think anybody would have anticipated if they watched him at all in Minnesota the past few the past few years you know the defense was great the offense was exactly what they needed him to do where he would take open threes and he would slash the rim and drive there weren't a ton of the sort of the pukey long twos in his game so yeah they got exactly what they needed out of him and he did a great job on all the stars that he guarded in the playoffs whether it's Doncic or Tatum or you know anyone yeah, he completely iced Tatum in the finals. Like Tatum had a horrible finals, and I think a big part of that was just how good Wiggins was on him. Yeah, and I mean, Golden State is a team. Game six was just such like a monumental game from Steph because you could just see the Celtics every time they were going down the floor when they would ISO someone, it was always trying to switch Steph onto someone, and they got basically nothing out of it. Like, no good looks, no drive to the basket, they couldn't get him in foul trouble, and it was just like, remember remember the beginning of Steph's career, how much of a liability he was on defense? Oh, and yeah. you know, those, in those, the Cavs uh, 
finals run where they won, like how much they were just targeting Steph and he couldn't stay in front of, I mean, Kyrie and, and LeBron is a little bit different than, <laughs> than Tatum and Brown, but you know, he was, he was just getting cooked on defense and now like they were going at him and they got nothing. Like he, he has improved so much on that end, whether it's both, it's both like skill and strength. And to me, he's, he's clearly still right up there in terms of the best players in the league. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think this was a really good defensive battle in the finals. Like this was the top two defenses in the league all season. And I think the Warriors, like everyone was so focused on Boston's defense and how good they were that I think people kind of forgot that Golden State is also an elite defensive team because, yeah, like you said, like Steph is now a good defender. And then you go through their lineup and it's like there's basically no weak defenders other than when they put Jordan Poole on if Clay is playing decently. And, you know, they were really able to clamp down the Celtics offense. I thought the Celtics, like with Jason Tatum not playing well and having Wiggins shut him down, they they just had no answers for the Warriors defense. And that I guess that was maybe somewhat surprising, but I kind of like I kind of expected that a little bit. I thought I thought the Celtics stars would play a bit better, but I thought that they would be able to sort of scrape towards mediocrity just because Jalen Brown and Tatum are good at hitting tough contested shots. But what ended up happening is they just couldn't stop turning the ball over and giving Golden State transition opportunities. And like the degree to which they got clamped and couldn't do anything was was surprising. And I got a, I got a really hot take here. All right, hit me with it. Like you, you might just close your browser and never talk to me again after this, but... <laughs> But I think if the Celtics hadn't gone to seven games in back-to-back series, this is a very competitive finals. I thought Tatum, Tatum especially, was just gassed. Oh, my and God. The dude the, is like 24. Give and, me a break. And the finishing at the rim was just like he had nothing left in his legs, and he just couldn't get any bounce anymore. And I think if if they managed to close out, the, the Bucks series earlier than maybe they the close out the heat series earlier and suddenly maybe they have a lot more left in the legs and this this finals would have been closer now like that's that's obviously nothing against the Warriors like all these games were hard and whatnot but like you know Tatum in the, in the minutes department like towards the end of the series he had he had broken the record for most playoff minutes in a single playoff run which is like that's pretty astonishing considering the first round series like it was only it was a sweep right so okay but the finals has three day breaks between almost all the games like I think we just like how much I rest think, does he need I think we just underestimate like the toll that these like forty eight minute like super intense like game six and seven elimination games take on you like I think they just don't really compare to a regular season game and and maybe whether it's mental and physical like maybe it was a bit of both but i thought the celtics looked a lot more like the tired team than golden state did which is surprising given the age difference between the teams yeah i i don't know i i think this take is kind of dumb because the tatum not being able to finish at the rim stuff He's also going against elite defensive lineups where he has Wiggins guarding him. Then there's Draymond or Kevon Looney at the rim. Mm-hmm. Like these are these are tough matchups to finish on. Sure, absolutely. And it's like but okay. the numbers were like thirty percent at the rim. Like they were. It was like not just even even great defense wouldn't hold you to that low. 
like numbers at the rim. Yeah, maybe maybe it's slightly anomalous, but I just remember him taking a lot of like tough attempts at the rim where I was like, okay, I wouldn't expect you to finish this. And and so to me, it wasn't like, oh, there's just missed layups that are really bunnies that his legs are just dying on, or he's like not being able to finish a dunk because he's just not getting up. It's not that kind of thing. Maybe yeah, maybe fatigue plays a bit of a factor in lowering that percentage of it, but. I, I thought he kind of just got a bit exposed as a number one option against an elite defense here. Like, I think he's just not quite ready. And I mean, they still made it to the finals. And so obviously, yeah, exposed is strong. It <laughs> deserves, his, they deserve their kudos. But that was really like a team effort. You know, they're a super well rounded team. But yes, those first, yes. th- that first and second, op- second option kind of failed them in the series. Although Jalen Brown, I thought, did his job as a second star, but he's clearly not, you know, a primary offensive player. And so it like Tatum as that guy fell flat here and maybe that's yeah. just fatigue, but I kind of, I've always been a little bit skeptical of Tatum as that leading man because the passing, the playmaking that got exposed in the series with tons of turnovers. Like, I don't know. It, he hasn't wowed me. I mean, do you think he's a leading guy? Like, do you think this? Team yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just, I don't know. I think uh, he's absolutely a leading guy. Like he's 24 he had this is like a brutal playoff run but like there were so many they played great teams right like that the bucks team with Giannis, like obviously missing chris middleton yes but still beating Giannis the way he was playing was pretty impressive like Giannis is clearly the better player there right but yet the celtics came on top in large part because of tatum like that that game six that he had 40 points when the bucks could have closed it out at home like you know that's some pantheon shit right there and then the Heat series was like, that was extremely brutal. And yeah, like, is Tatum the most talented player in the league? Absolutely not. But can he, can, is he good enough to win a championship as a leading guy? Yeah. Like, if, if the Warriors have one injury, like, we're talking with the Celtics as the champions here, right? And, you know, this was a year where injuries didn't make a huge impact. I thought, like, aside from the Bucks, like, you know, everyone kind of like the, the top teams stayed healthy more or less, right? And, you know, a little bit of luck goes your way and suddenly you're the champion. To some extent, sure. Like, it's possible. But I think this is also a historically weak year for the NBA in terms of yeah. not having juggernaut teams. Yes, like, yes, I'll agree with that. The last war- since, since the Warriors dynasty has sort of taken a step down and this this team, I think, is also like less talented than the previous winners. Um, yeah. You know, th- yeah, there haven't been these, these like all time juggernauts for sure. Like there's been stuff from the Warriors camp that has come out post finals run here or post championship yeah. run here where like Steve Kerr before the playoffs started, like looked around. It was like, I, it was telling people, was like, I don't think this is a championship team. Like, I don't think we're going to yeah. win it. And like Draymond Green's talked about how like the league is messed up and for letting them win this championship <laughs> because yeah. like this team really, they've threaded the needle of not putting all their chips in. Like I so, going okay. into the season, I okay. thought they were going to be a finals team because I thought they were going to move all their pieces and trade some young guys for another star to help. They didn't even do that. And they still won. Like I they have is, all people these are going to look at this as what you said, threading the needle, like having the balance of veterans. I think it's just a flat out mistake. Like if you look at, they still won the championship, but one thing goes wrong. Like if Gary Payton isn't healthy in time, right? Like, you know, this series is very much, you know, on a nice edge, right? I think it's a huge mistake for them not to have, you know, acquired a few rotation players at least, 
instead of the rookies that ended up not playing at all. Like if yeah, you look at championship I, equity, I totally they were extremely fortunate to win this and sort of miss the boat on upgrading their chances to where they were like an overwhelming favorite, which they, I think they easily could have been if they had, if they had made these kinds of moves and I, like, I totally agree. And I think yeah. this has reinforced the wrong lesson for them now, yes, where yes. now that they've won the, the stuff that I've heard from their interviews and stuff is that they're all in on like developing these young guys and like bringing them up as the next era. And it's like, you're just going to keep like, it's not wasting Steph's prime and Draymond's prime, but not optimizing it. Right. But you could be winning a championship again next year. And when, if other teams get healthy, like the nuggets, the Clippers, like all these teams in the West are are gearing up. Yeah. Yeah. And And also if you're not healthy, right? Like you had everyone, everyone on this, everyone on this old team, was healthy, right? Yeah. Like Draymond, yeah. Steph, Clay, right? You know, Gary Payton, but even like their old vets like Bielitsa and Looney, who's had a ton of injury Otto problems. Porter. Yeah, Otto Porter. Like all these guys played for them and they're all like old injury prone players. So yeah, I think yeah. I mean, I think what they like I've said this before, but I don't think that they should be the favorites going into next season. No, definitely because not. I don't think they're going to, uh, yeah, like you said, I think they learned the wrong lesson here. And I think this front office, like the Wiseman pick was obviously a huge mistake. I think they are maybe the most overrated front office in sports, especially when you consider that they have the biggest competitive advantage in that their owner is willing to spend more than pretty much everyone else outside of the Clippers owner, right? Yeah. And they still make these, like what I would say is like pretty terrible mistakes in terms of like the, the calculation of the direction of the team. I mean, mind you, that might be coming from ownership that doesn't want to have like a shitty team in two years, right? It might be like a more of a business decision to, to keep the young players because they want to be competitive for a long time. But for for just championship odds, like I think it's a huge mistake. Yeah, I do wonder if it's more a product of circumstances where the never the right trade never came along, like the right piece that they wanted for the future of the team, like a star that they thought was worth putting their chips all in for just never materialized because like they still do have all these pieces they can change their minds at any point and if the right star becomes available maybe they're just like hey we're now's the time to move these young guys uh so like they still are kind of holding this bag here but if they just keep trying to develop wiseman and kaminga and moody and (laughs) you know don't get help for steph for next year like you can't expect steph to just be this good when he's like 34 years old and yeah and you just can't yeah. expect this roster to be this healthy right like you need you need yeah. more players to just you know have in your rotation but all of their core guys should be declining like draymond yep. clay yep. steph those guys should all be starting to like slowly decline here and yeah yeah you have to expect it to get a little bit worse but I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Maybe they have a change of heart. They realize the error of their ways, but it's now, hard when you're with just all that championship. <laughs> yeah. With all that being said, like this championship run from Steph, like really just like cemented, I think his legacy because the first one was kind of like, you know, not to say it was like a, it was a fake championship, but like like this year there weren't like elite teams out there, right? Like the the Cavs got really really hurt. Like that was where where Kyrie and Kevin Love got hurt. So. Yeah. The Cavs team that they were playing in the finals was like really a shell of themselves, right? And then the next two championships were with KD, right? And then now this one where he did it alone, right? Like went through every round alone, 
you know, beat, beat the best team in the East alone and did all this. Like, and it was basically like their offense was entirely stuff and he did it. Like this is, this cements him is like in the sort of the pantheon is being at least alongside Kevin Durant. Oh, absolutely. I think he's probably, I think he's better than Kevin Durant, like as over the course of his career. Uh, but I mean, I think he's had a better career. I think Kevin Durant at his peak, I don't know. That's that's a really tough one to argue. <laughs> Those guys yeah. are just, they're both right. so ridiculously good. But Yeah, but in, in, in very different ways. But before it was like, okay, Katie's clearly like the best player. He won those finals MVPs, you know, like he has, yeah. you know, more of the, the, I guess, the stats in terms of like, you know, the, the longevity of his career because Steph came in later as well and didn't start as well as KD did, right? So like all, you know, but I, like Steph making this playoff run, especially at his age, is just like... It's so impressive. Yeah. And just watching it is just like, it's all, it's just Steph maximizing what Steph does every possession. Yeah. The longevity of our superstars in the NBA, their careers is so crazy to watch now. They just get older and just don't get worse. It's like you've had it with LeBron and he's like finally starting to decline at 38. It's like Steph could have like three more years of elite production in him. And it's just like <laughs> these guys aren't going away. I know 538's model has like basically gave the Warriors like, you know, negative odds of of making the playoffs. <laughs> and yeah. in every series, they were like underdogs. Like I think they had the Celtics at like over 80% chance to win the finals. And yeah, all this it was stuff. insane. Just be, and it's all because these guys are just so old that the model doesn't have previous teams to compare it to that are successful because, you know, you go in the past, teams that are this old just break down and fail. Like, quite, it's almost like a scientific fact, but the Warriors and just, I think that's just a weakness of the model and that it doesn't account for, you know, the modern science and medicine and sort of yeah. you know, diet and everything in terms of, like, players just being able to elongate their careers but you know yeah it, it's it's impressive nevertheless yep all right that's enough of the actual nba talk now it's time to talk about the fun stuff with the nba and who cares about the games that are played let's talk about the draft aaron yeah the draft where you know a bunch of players that mostly will never make an impact in the league get hyped about like they're gonna change your franchise uh yeah let's start at the top here so I followed the the draft sort of immediately before it, and all the talk was Jabari Smith at one, Chet at two, and Paulo Bancaro at three. And those are those are the three players were kind of in a tier on their own. And then we saw some crazy stuff in the betting markets about Paulo going number one. Then Wadge tweets that it's Smith one, and the markets change. And then the Magic pull, I think, a heist on everyone and just select Paulo at number one and everyone was kind of shocked Do you, does this matter to you at all is this an interesting story for you like it, what was your reaction to financially this? for me because when watch tweeted i was following the betting odds and i have yeah. a little bit of money that i've just you know the, these betting sites just give you free money so i've been dabbling in in some gambling in a healthy way you know do use it responsibly but uh I saw Wadge tweet that Jabari was going number one. I was like, okay, Wadge is never wrong. These betting markets are crazy. I'm just putting a little bit. I put a little bit of money on Jabari going number one and did not work out for me. Wadge is a liar. I trust betting markets now over Wadge. Yeah, I, I think I got we need some kind of like Baxter Holmes investigative journalism into like what happened here because 
the the first it seemed I, I've heard from NBA reporters that the first correction that happened the day before was really just sharp people being like, it doesn't make sense that the odds for Paolo are this low, right? And mm-hmm. just because like a, a lot of draft people had him number one and sort of kind of fits what the magic need and, and whatever. But then the second the second instance where the, the markets changed after Waj was saying that Smith is going number one, like that, the people that made those bets, like there needs to be some kind of investigation there. Yeah, there was some there was some interesting shit going on there because the betting markets froze and then they, they took down the odds and they yeah. put them back up like 15 minutes after the watch tweet. And then just like a cascade of more people started betting, mm-hmm. betting it back down. And yeah, I don't know. Very weird stuff. I haven't seen that before with draft stuff. Like normally it's normally the NBA insiders are pretty good about knowing who's going where. And like you rarely see these shockers at the top of the draft. It's, it's yeah. pretty surprising, especially with the number one pick where like Orlando, what is like, why are they, why are they hiding their cards? So, so they're well? very, very marginally incentivized to do this in order to try to juice or gin up a trade from Houston. Number three, if they want Jabari, because then they could, they could theoretically get an asset for moving down and still get their guy. That's the, that, that's the incentive structure there. It's obviously worth trying because you have nothing to lose, but you know it's not a huge incentive. <laughs> yeah, and because we, we saw here, like Houston, yeah, Houston didn't when, bite. They're just like, we'll take either guy, right? <laughs> yeah, like when the top three guys are all in a tier, it's like, okay, you know, whatever one falls to us is great. We're not going to give up more assets. So yeah, very very weird stuff at the top of the draft. We did see a bunch of Canadians get drafted. We got Benedict Matherin, Shady on Sharp uh to, to name the guys in the at the top of the lottery um but then let's yeah. move all the way down to the second round where the raptors drafted number three 33 overall and that's because they gave up their first round pick to san antonio to get thaddeus young which i mean it ended up costing okay. them 13 spots in the draft yeah right? which that isn't a, isn't a huge thaddeus deal young. especially from from like 20 it's like it's kind of a crap shoot really outside of the top of the lottery most of the time but i don't think it was worth it but nevertheless maybe maybe they had this guy targeted for the whole year and they're just like yeah he's going to be available in the second round so let's move down because this is the guy we want so that guy christian coloco seven foot one big man out of university of arizona very raptors s pick here he's 22 years old comes from the same uh same town in cameroon as pascal siakam did start playing basketball seriously until 17 years old, like, you know, kind of pretty athletic, pretty big, strong guy. Big span. Yeah. The hope <laughs> is that he's a, a true center in terms of like defensively rim protection, but that he can also switch out on the perimeter and that, you know, if he doesn't get killed on the perimeter, then he can definitely play on defense and then on offense, you hope that he can be a bit of a pick and roll rim runner. And then the jump shot doesn't look terrible. Maybe he can he can stretch it out to three at some point. But like th- this guy is like, you know, if he if he if he's part of your rotation, it's a big win, right? Yeah, I, I think at this pick, you know, any guy that can actually play is a huge positive. But 
this is this is feeling a huge void for this team because they they're lacking that center with size and so if he can bulk up a bit after a couple of years and like really bang with some of the bigger centers in the league the raptors don't have that player and so it's like precious achua is only 610 69 68 yeah 68 and so and like Ken Birch is a small center and he's not part of your long-term core. Like you don't have a center on this team, a real center. Like Precious is projecting more towards like he can just be like playing every position. He's going to be our point guard soon. But uh, I think the long-term projection for him is really solid because even though he's 22, like you said, like not playing basketball young, like there's still, I think, a lot of development for him to do and developing an outside shot would be huge. And I think there's a lot of promise there. So I think this was a really solid pick. A lot of people I saw like draft follow draft people on Twitter. They they're big fans of this pick for the Raptors. And I think it fits a hole where I think he could probably get some spot playing time during the season, even though he's a rookie, I, you know, he could probably get like 10 minutes a game or so. Like I think he kind of just makes Ken Birch obsolete. Yeah. And I think a lot of draft Knicks had, Christian Coloco in the forties and he got picked at 33. But if you're, if you're a fan and you're like, well, like, does that make it a bad pick? And it, I guess my reason and sort of what I've come to learn from, from sort of following the Raptors is that they have a different philosophy when it comes to the draft. And I think one of the reasons why their philosophy is different and it works is that for these second round guys, you basically get them for two years, right? And then you need to make a decision whether to keep a roster spot, extend them, pay them, whatever it may be, right? And so if you have a player in for two years, drafting an 18-year-old, it's even if they show promise, it's really hard to make a decision on whether they can actually stick in the NBA. Drafting a 22-year-old, like they're physically much more developed. They've had more time playing basketball. They're more mature. You're much more likely to get an answer, even if it's a no, of whether they can stick in the league. So I think you're just much more likely to get players that stick if you're drafting for a need on your roster and drafting a player that can realistically and consistently fill that gap. So like in terms of this draft pick, like, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense why the Raptors would would take him maybe a bit ahead of where he's projected. But if you're a developing team, like it makes sense why the draft Knicks have him ranked lower because he's older, you know, he doesn't have probably doesn't have this star potential that, you know, if you're a bad team, you really need to hit on guys that could be quality starters or all-stars, right? And he's probably not going to be that. So I think it makes sense why he was ranked where he was, but it's also still a great pick for the Raptors. Yeah, and I think part of why a lot of the bad teams stay bad is they keep going for upside picks that have a very low chance of turning into yeah. real basketball players. And so if so many players go bust that you just never form a good team. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, when you do get lucky, you obviously get lucky very big in it and it changes your franchise, but it takes a long time to do that sometimes. And so the Raptors are not, they're not at that stage. Should we talk about Ron Harper jr.? Yeah, t- tell me a little bit about Amaran because I know absolutely zero about him other than that I think he likes to shoot threes. Is that yeah. accurate? So he, uh, he's son of Ron Harper. I think he was on the Bulls during that run. Uh, but he is another 22-year-old player, played four years at Rutgers, I believe. And this past season, he hit 39% three, I believe. And he, get, he averaged like 16 points a game. 
Uh, I think he had the highest body fat percentage of anyone that went to the combine, but he's like 6'6", 245, and not really a great athlete, but has like big arms. So I think, you know, he's kind of like a, <clears throat> they're hoping he can play up to maybe, you know, play the four, but then also be able to have enough sort of creativity, skill and shooting on offense to, to hold his own there. So, you know, he's, he's on a two way deal signed uh, almost immediately after the draft, like he went undrafted, but this is, I guess the other Raptors rookie that that'll be on the roster. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, it, <clears throat> Mo, I would say if you're betting on it, he's probably not going to stick and not really ever going to play, but you know, We'll keep our our eye on him. Yeah, probably a G League guy for the foreseeable future. Yeah. All right, Aaron. So now I feel like that's all the draft stuff we have to talk about. Should we take a look at the Raptors offseason? Because, you know, I think this is going to be, I don't want to spoil anything, but this is probably our final podcast for the season. I think this is our season finale. So up until like training camp or something crazy happens that we really feel like we need to jump on the podcast for we're probably not talking about the raptors for next season where what are they doing this off season give me give me a rundown of what you think is going to happen so the short answer is not a lot like there, there's definitely decisions to be made but almost none of them i would say are like are important decisions if we look at the raptors core you know scotty barnes you don't have to make a decision on him for another two years in terms of even extending him, giving him the max. And even then, that probably won't be a decision. You're probably just handing it to him, right? Yeah, uh, that's not going to be a decision. <laughs> Pascal Siakam is under contract for two more years. Same with Fred Van Vliet, although Fred Van Vliet's uh, last year is a player option. You could extend uh, them both this offseason. But given their numbers, you know, Pascal's already on the max and he's 28 years old. Fred Van Vliet is... Like, you know, he's making the low, low 20s and he's also 28. Like, I just don't see a reason to rush towards extending them because you can always extend them next offseason as well. Uh, OG Ananobi has three more years, so you can't extend him at all. Uh, and Gary Trent Jr. as well. I mean, because he signed a three-year deal, you actually can't extend him. So there's no decision to be made there. And so we're already at the Raptors core there where it's just like there's maybe you extend pascal or freddie but like there's not really good reason to do so maybe you save a few million if they play really well next year by extending them now but i doubt it uh you know and then on the bench like precious the he's in this he's in the same boat right like that that decision doesn't come till next offseason same with malachi flynn uh ken birch you know also has two more years like there's nothing to be made there so mihalik had a player option and opted in right like we're at 10 players already how do you talk about Delano Banton? Like they're obviously they're probably going to pick up his contract too. So definitely will. If we look at the number of roster spots that are available, it's it's pretty slim. And the guys that they have to make a decision on are Chris Boucher. Do they, do you want to bring him back? And if so, for how much? And Thaddeus Young, same question, right? Like I think you probably want to bring both those guys back. It's just the the decision there is just how much money, right? And then. Yeah. And then if you want to look at what the turnover is going to be, it's probably going to be you to Watanabe and Isaac Bonga. Like neither of them really stuck with this team. And maybe you could get, you know, on those, on those minimums, you could get different looks that might, that might be able to do something. Yeah. Uh, and you have your rookies coming in that you have to like, if you, if Coloco is going to be part of the everyday roster. Yeah, exactly. You need roster spots for them and, and yeah. Ron Harper. So yeah. yeah, I mean, that sucks for, I, 
it's gonna hurt my soul to not have Yuta on the team anymore. But you know, he he had he had a run and he had a shot and just didn't unless work. yeah, unless he really like refines his jumper this offseason i just don't see him sticking because he needed to just hit shots at a higher clip he was doing everything else um ben the most pressing question to me is yes if you're if you're Masai, are you sending scotty to summer league mm, i say no i think he's too good for summer league like he's just gonna annihilate everybody there and what do you really learn from that well, like, maybe you build like, up his confidence. He, you, you get him to initiate be more points. But maybe like, you want him to play point guard more and and just have be more like do more creation with the ball in his hands. Yeah, that's the only that's the only reason I could see them doing it. But I feel like he was already starting to do that stuff in the NBA last season, and does doing it against inferior competition. And, really and help with you that teammates much. and not really much of an offensive system yeah. yeah versus like actually training with other tie-end nba players like i just don't know if he needs that gate those game reps which like he played like 35 minutes a game for the whole season last season i i just don't think he needs that experience and so i think you can learn stuff about other guys that potentially could be on your team or in the g league down the road like i i would imagine he doesn't go but Really, I don't think there's any wrong answer. They could send him for a game or two and then shut him down. Like a lot of teams do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day. Yeah, and this this Raptors because of like what we talked about with in terms of like the availability of the Raptors roster. Like you're going to see the Raptors two way guys and rookies be on their summer league team, but this summer league team is one to ignore. Like it's going to yeah. have almost no impact on what the Raptors do for their roster. So, oh, yeah. you know, previous summer league teams had something to pay attention to or maybe worth following. I'm not going to give a single shit about this this iteration of the Raptors summer league. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably watch some of the highlights just to see how our rookies do because I've never actually watched them play. I don't watch college basketball this year. But yeah, there's there's really nothing exciting, <laughs> too exciting there. I don't anticipate either of those guys making meaningful contributions to the team this year. So yeah, pretty snoozy. Aaron, one thing we didn't talk about, OG and Anobi. You brought him up. He's under contract for a bunch more years, but he was in a lot of trade rumors around draft time. Do you think it's possible that he ends up getting traded at all? Like, why Why was he in these trade rumors? Explain this to me. So I think the biggest trade rumor that he was involved in was Portland uh, sending salary and the number seven pick over for OG and Anobi. They traded for Jeremy Grant, and it's sort of like trying to rebuild a contender around Dame. I just can't see the Raptors looking at it and being like, like OG of all the players on this roster fits with Scotty the best. And he's the youngest. He's the most like three and D role player that you want around Scotty. Like he needs the ball the least. Like all, like he is just the best player on this roster just in terms of fit around OG or sorry around Scotty. So in that way, like even if you're rebuilding, he'd be the last guy that you'd want to trade of of the core. So to me, that just doesn't really make sense. Like the only way I would see it is if OG just wants to get more touches, but like we've talked about before, I don't think the lack of touches is 
any reason for OG to be upset. I think he just needs to get better if he wants to get more touches. There are certainly <laughs> there's certainly room for him to do more on offense that the Raptors would welcome. And I think that's the conversation I'd be having with him if I was Masai. Like, look, like we we want to give you touches and and chances, and we have. You just haven't capitalized on them. If you get good enough to where you deserve the ball in your hands, it's going to be there. Yeah, and I think the reports of OG being unsatisfied are greatly exaggerated. He's, yes. He's been appearing at team events and stuff like he was with other teammates on draft night. And, you know, it's not like he's <laughs> off somewhere in L.A. for the offseason and just not answering the phone, not talking to anyone from the team. He's unfollowed everyone on Instagram. Yeah, that's there's not none happening. Of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's just none of this drama around it. And like you said, it, I think it makes zero sense to trade him unless you're getting a haul back and at the reality was the the offer was probably like the number seven pick which ended up being shade and sharp which i know a lot of people are pretty high on him as a prospect but like og's already a really good player and he's certainly going to help you more this year and the raptors want to make the playoffs this year right Uh, you know and probably for the next three or four years he's going to be a better player Yeah. yeah yeah and so it just doesn't make sense for the Raptors to take a big step back like that. Um, yeah, I think the only other potential trade that I heard that was pretty spicy was, you know, if the Nets fall apart again and Kyrie ends up destroying this team, like he's come so close to doing. If Kevin Durant demands a trader. <laughs> As he comes so close, I feel like he's done it. <laughs> Well, I mean, if they bring it all back this year and Ben Simmons is healthy and actually plays, they could be a contender again. I don't see why not. They've got lots of good role players. If Joe Harris is healthy, you know, they like, they have a team. They're, that's a really good team. Yeah, I, I just feel like they're they're broken as like a locker room and a franchise. OK, so let, let's let's but... let's jump in on that hypothetical. Let's say they're broken. Kevin Durant, they're. At the all-star break, you know, they have a even record and he's just looking around the locker room. He's like, I can't play with these guys. I need to get out of here. <laughs> looking around the All locker room, just looking at Kyrie. <laughs> staring at Kyrie, staring at Ben Simmons. Yeah, I he's can't just do like, this. No, yeah. I, he's like, yeah. get me out of here. He's like, I, I love Toronto. I love Nick Nurse. I, I love the Raptors fans that cheered when I tore my Achilles. Yeah, yeah. That just left a really good impression on me. Well, let's say he doesn't focus on the Raptors, but he demands a trade. The Nets are looking fielding offers. If the Raptors wanted to get Kevin Durant, honestly, I think like the Raptors have kind of an interesting core where they have a bunch of good vets and then a very tantalizing young superstar in the making in Scotty Barnes. I think if you shift, if you flip Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant, all of a sudden you're in title contention right now rather than when Scotty Barnes hits his superstar potential. So if you're willing to just like it would it would crush my soul to trade Scotty Barnes and even thinking about it kind of feels like a bit of betrayal. But yeah, like, I feel like if, you're cheating on him right now. I, I feel like I am too, but it's I just can't help myself. Like thinking about a Kevin Durant trade is just too juicy. So if Kevin Durant was available, would you put a package of Scotty Barnes and like whatever other young flotsam they want, like three draft picks, four draft picks, whatever it is. Do you go all in for Kevin Durant? If you're this team, like, do you think the rest of the Raptors core is good enough to win a title? I feel so disgusting. Even just thinking about this, <laughs> let alone answering question. it. 
it is it is it is uh i feel like you gotta do it just because like you don't know how scotty's development is gonna go like maybe he's peaked in terms of like his real nba skill you know like like you just never know how players are going to develop right and so getting i think getting kevin durant would just instantly make you like one of the inner circle contenders which is the hardest jump to make and so i think you would ha- you would have to do it because you know even if it doesn't work out like you have a lot of vets that you could trade and rebuild again if you wanted to so it's not like you're you're, sh- you're going all in without any kind of chance to to recover all of the la lakers so I don't know. I think you'd have to, you'd probably have to do it. Yeah. It would, it would hurt a lot though. Scotty is magnificent, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll stop cheating on Scotty. Scotty, we still love you. Please don't go anywhere. Um, yeah. All right. So you missed all the Kyrie drama. He ended up just, just opting in and not fulfilling his threat to just opt out and sign the Lakers for the mid-level, which would have been, one of the spiciest moves yeah, in forfeiting NBA history. $30 million. Uh, just the fact that he was threatening to do that is just, I feel like it's just so damaging to like the locker room and KD. And just, it's just like at the end of the season, you're like, I'm committed to, to this team and Kevin Durant, like I'm going to be back. And then all this stuff comes out and it's all just like a leverage ploy. I don't know. Kyrie just has like zero self-awareness and it's got to be so grating to be in the same organization as him. Yeah. I think Kevin Durant probably really regrets hitching his ride to the Kyrie train. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just insanity every month. There's something insane coming out, but you know, maybe all of that was smoke and nothingness and just other garbage reporting. Like we had for the number one pick in the draft. Like, well, we I think really he was trying to leverage for, Kyrie for an extension thing. and the nets, yeah. the nets stared him down. We're like, we're not extending you. Like but we're not giving you the five year max. At yeah. the end of the day, he can just be go to Kevin Durant. He's like, yo, that was all business, bro. I still love you. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm here. I was just wanting yeah. to get a max contract. And at what point do you stop? I get it. It's that, a business. So. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this net season turns out. I still think that they have so much talent that they should be one of the favorites for the title next year, even though there's been so much going wrong behind the yeah. scenes. You just can't rule them out. Talent trumps everything at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, speaking of talent trumping everything, future six man of the year, Jalen Brunson, is looking like he's set to get over $25 million a year from the New York Knicks. Uh, $25 million? Yeah, at least. It's, it's probably going to be like four years, $110 million from the Knicks. $110 million? Oh, my God. Yeah, the reporting is that the Mavericks are kind of trying to make peace with the fact that they're they're likely to lose Brunson. Um, why is this one of the most recent examples of just like an immediately bad contract being signed? And why is it sad to see this on the Knicks again? <laughs> well, I'm I mean, not trying to lead you at all here. <laughs> For me, it's not sad to see this on the Knicks. This is just you don't, being you don't feel bad for the Knicks. I feel I feel bad for Knicks I fans. Feel, I feel bad for their fans. But like Jalen Brunson is undersized. He's like a microwave scorer, but he's also never been a lead guy. So he's like, you know, 
Would Jordan Clarkson on the same team have done that job almost as well? I think you could make the case that yes, he would have. And like Jordan Clarkson gets paid a lot less than Jalen Brunson is going to get paid. I just, Jalen Brunson had a career year. Do you trust him to lead your offense going forwards? Because that's what you're paying him for here. If this is what you're doing, like he's not a passer, he's not a playmaker. He's just, he's a scorer and he's like six feet tall. Yeah. To me, the biggest issue that I have with this is that in Dallas, he's playing a five out system where you can't help on him to get the ball out of his hands because you're going to leave an open shooter. And then going to the Knicks, he's playing a zero system because they don't have any spacing and they always play like at least one defensive center that can't shoot. Right. And surround that with Julius Randle. And, you know, just like they have a couple of shooters on the team. I'm exaggerating, but they don't have any kind of spacing. And like he's going to just takes five and a half threes a game. He just shoots 30% on them. And, and teams don't guard him there. Yeah. And it's just like he's like, I just don't see how he's going to be able to get into the paint with any kind of effectiveness when this is the level of spacing that's around. So I just like, you know, it, did he look really effective in a five out? Yeah. But I feel like if there's a, like a real five out offense, pretty every NBA player is going to look at their best as a ball handler in that situation. And the situation, you're not replicating that for him. So I don't like it to me, it's unreasonable to expect him to even be a good player in New York, let alone a $25 million plus player. Yeah. Yeah. This is the same thing. Like, I think Fred Van Bleet's a slightly better player than Jalen Brunson. Um, yeah. But definitely sim- similar like, archetype. When, yeah, when the Knicks were trying to get sign Freddie, there was noise about them trying to sign him when he was a free agent. And it's just like, I think if he had gone there, it wouldn't have worked out well. Like, I think the Raptors are a much better situation for him because like, I don't know. Yeah. Being, being the lead offensive guy on that team where there's just no complimentary players just seems like a a nightmare scenario. Um, Yeah. Like the Raptors even tried to play five out and Freddie can't get, can't score at the rim. Right. Like it's, (laughs) yeah. Like Freddie's offensive game is much different than Brunson's. Yeah. Yeah. It, It just seems like. No, he's going to get paid, but this will probably be the most he ever gets paid. I don't anticipate and also just better. like, yeah, he'll be like a $12 million player making twice that. Right. And the Knicks are going to suffer for it because, you know, they'll have no cap space going forward. Yeah, this is like a this, weird this is this is their one move that they're going for. Yeah. OK, the Knicks suck. <laughs> yeah. Moral of the story. <laughs> All right, Ben, we have an email. It's from Alex. Uh, he says it has come to my attention that there's an extremely good uh, Caribbean grill chain in Toronto called Scotty Bonds. Obviously, they have been blessed by proxy for sharing a name with the future great one. Firstly, this is a call to action. I want a sponsor deal here, but I'll settle for an IG story of Scotty Bonds at Scotty Bonds. Secondly, I started to think uh, I started thinking other players with food or restaurants named after them. I know my parents told me to eat my greens and curry seems to have enormous fan base in India. My question this week, who is your starting five to get the best meal? Ben, I know you've thought long and hard about this, so let's hear it. Yeah, I didn't go in a healthy direction here. So Danny Green did not make the team. (laughs) You have to have Steph Curry. Draymond Green make the team. No greens made the team. Yeah, no, no greens, greens made the team. Green. Okay. Green. 
Um, obviously, you have to have Steph Curry. Curry is delightful. But other players, Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart, got to be on this team. You're going with nicknames here. Well, you know, it's flexible. If when your nickname is Beef Stew, I think that counts as a okay, food okay. player. Oh, I, I buy yeah. it. I buy it. Okay. Yeah. It's just like, mm, Beef Stew. Love it. Okay. Another player, <laughs> Jeremy Lamb. Lamb, pretty tasty. Pretty good. Even if you have good. ethical quandaries about eating it, tastes pretty damn good. <laughs> um, now, then I kind of started getting to some more deeper cuts here. People that aren't technically players, Darvin Ham. New Los Angeles Lakers coach. Yep. Ham, yep. Pretty, good. pretty good. Pretty good. If you like ham, what about uh, Pap Sal? <laughs> okay, that's a deeper cut. <laughs> Just Sal. Uh, female yeah, pick, right? Yeah, you know, that it, works. It, yeah, All right. Yep. yep. Not a bad one. Uh, barely an NBA player. That's generous to call him yeah. part of the NBA. But yeah. Yep. Uh, other one, Channing Fry. Fried. What is what is being fried here? <laughs> I mean, the just anything fried. The lamp could be fried. Okay, <laughs> frying anything. Channing is frying all the so food. We're just going with a technique here. Just yeah, okay. but I all mean, right. like you have, uh, like uh, Ulster fry is like a breakfast in Ireland. It's delicious. You know, just fry. It's fry a fry is a type of food. Yeah, but I was mind. trying to get more specific. Are we talking like? You know, it's fry from the south, where it's a bunch of like crawfish and stuff like that, or you know. I mean, they're all good. Anything fried is good. So yeah, like okay, okay, fried chicken. <laughs> Go down the list. Um, that was that was my top five. I'm sure that that was like three minutes of research and thinking. So I'm sure there's other ones out there. There are a few at the top of my head. Uh, one, a condiment that would not be on my top five, but OJ Mayo. Oh, that's a good one. OJ Mayo. I like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like you probably have a pretty good list. I like my greens, so I would certainly include at least one of the greens on on my list. But, you know, I'm a little bit different there. I'd probably take out the fry and put it in the green. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of... I think there's very few players with vegetable names. I can't, you know... Vegetables are not common last names, sadly. So don't think there's anyone out there like broccoli. If you like pancakes, you could go to Jerry Stackhouse. Oh, I like that. Pancakes are delicious. That's a good one. All right. We're on fire. This is a great email. Maybe (laughs) we should end this bit, though, before we run out of names. (laughs) Yeah. As I've already done. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Definitely run out of names. But yeah, interesting email. Thank you for that. So, Ben, anything else we should talk about before we, I guess, wrap up this season? And I don't know, I'm looking forward to free agency. I think, you know, there's potential that the Raptors can, you know, sign someone out of the box and it's not just a retread of last year. But, you know, I think that's probably the most likely outcome. Yeah, I'm expecting a retread of last year. But last year was super fun. So not the end of the world. No. All right, Aaron, before we end it, we always love predictions. What do you predict the Raptors record to be next season? I will go winning the championship. No, but I think they're going to get 50 wins. Okay. Interesting. Spicy, spicy. Even if with like a revamped East, you think they're going to be. Yeah, I think this team is, is healthy. They should have a good off season. We have a bunch of players entering their primes. 
you know, like it's super stable, a lot of continuity, like those things I think really, really matter for regular season outcomes. You know, maybe they get a seed where they can win a round in the playoffs, but I wouldn't expect more out of this team. All right. Well, just for context, the Raptors got 48 wins this season. Philadelphia was fourth in the East with 51 wins. So you're you're thinking they're going to be right around the fourth seed again? Yeah, I think I think they're going to be more in the conversation for home court this year than they were last year. Like I I think 50 wins is like sort of I think they're going to do a little bit more than that, but that's sort of like the ballpark of where we should where we should expect this team to be. All right. You know, I respect that take. I kind of agree with it. I think I'm a little bit nervous about them taking a little step back, but I don't really know why I don't, I can't really put a finger on why I feel that way. I just don't feel super confident. Like Siakam had a career year. Is he going to maintain that going forwards? I don't have any reason to think he won't. Freddie, you know, amazing first half of the season. Then he started regressing back to like a good above average player, but not an all-star. And, you know, going forwards, I think there could be growing pains as Scotty tries to do more and more on offense, um, which will like, we'll want to see that development, but I think it could look ugly for a little while. And OG is just OG. He's kind of, you know, he hasn't taken a leap. I think at this point, I don't really expect him to take a leap anymore. And so I could see some more offensive struggles this season, but you know, we'll have to see. I think the 45 to 50 wins is definitely the ballpark. This is, this is rare. I'm higher than you. I know. That is unexpected. I thought you'd be a lot more pessimistic, but I'm not. We'll have to wait till next season to find out. I, for one, cannot wait. I'm already missing yeah. Raptors basketball. Yeah, we'll be back with a season preview some sometime before the season, but expect regular podcasts once the season resumes. I feel like we need to say thank you to everyone that listened to the season of the Raptors review. I think it's been a great great year of for this raptors podcast we've had a lot of fun doing it and it wouldn't have been nearly as fun without our regular emailers shout outs to gavin alex and nathan for sending us in juicy emails all season long absolutely always fun to answer it's one one of the big reasons why i look forward to doing this podcast yeah finding a new juicy email in the inbox is always fun um and yeah to everyone else who listened thank you so much you keep us going. You keep us motivated to log in every week and record this. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of fun doing it. So that's all for this season. Aaron, any final words? Love you all. Uh, enjoy the off season because it's going to be crazy once it starts again. Yep. Let's go Raptors. Dun, dun, dun on it.